This is the Marvel Sports Podcast. It was hard-hitting. It was physical. It was so intense. You know, this Florida Panthers team is deep. Just to be perfectly clear, we both picked the Chiefs to win in a shootout. And here's your host, David Marr. In episode 16 of the Marvel Sports Podcast, David Marr alongside Andrew Spizzano. And uh, first thing we're going to get into is the reaction to Carson Wentz being traded from Philadelphia to Indianapolis. And I'll just start by saying I think the Eagles, um, I think it's a good move for the Colts because I think it will give Carson Wentz to get back in his 2017 MVP form. Um, and, uh, I think the, the Colts could be a good a Colts could be a playoff team, maybe a division winner. If, uh, if that trade works, Andrew, what are your reactions? My reaction is this is, this is great for Carson Wentz because he's going to a team that has one of the top offensive lines in football. Um, he's going to have time to throw the ball. He's going to have legit receivers and T Y Hilton, Michael Pittman, obviously broke out this year. They also have some other guys there. I mean, especially at the tight end position that he'll be able to throw that Wentz will be able to throw the ball to. He didn't really have many targets in Philly this past season. Um, you know, it's, it's really going to be, and also a scene of change or a change of scenery for Carson Wentz could be nice too. You know, there might not be as much pressure in Indianapolis as there is in a pretty big city like Philly where the fans are ruthless if you struggle. <laughs> um, so I think ultimately for Carson Wentz, this is probably the best outcome there could have been. And you look at the AFC South compared to the NFC East, you know, Houston, the organization is going completely downhill because of what happens with Deshaun Watson and J.J. Watts. So that organization is taking a tumble. Jacksonville will probably get Trevor Lawrence. So they, they could be a contender, but other than Tennessee, you know, I think the Colts can make a lot of noise in the AFC South because of Carson, A, you have Carson Wentz and he plays well with a good offensive line, like you mentioned, and he has a lot of receivers. He's got a good running game. He's got a very solid defense. I think that the Colts are more of a balanced team now with Carson Wentz, as opposed to Tennessee, where it's, all Derrick Henry and then the play action with Ryan Tannehill. And unless Tennessee gets defense, which the Colts have, I don't know how the, if the Titans can be that contender, but I think it's good for the Colts when we could see them not only winning the division, but making a really long playoff run if Carson Wentz gets back in that MVP form. So let's flip it to the other side from Philadelphia. The Eagles worst record in the division last year, one of the worst records in football last year. Who becomes their – do you go to Jalen Hurts now at the starting quarterback position? I think it's going to – I think Hurts is the guy. You know, um, they really – I mean, obviously in the last game they took him out, which still is mind-boggling. But down the stretch, they were really giving him reps. He was starting, and he actually – I thought he played pretty well. Um, he's definitely going to get the chance to win that starting role unless we see the potential of a big trade happening. That would be interesting. I would, yeah, I was going to, yeah. Um, it would be interesting to see if they trade 
Jaden uh, Jalen Hurts, excuse me. Uh, they trade Jalen Hurts to move up in the draft, and um, you obviously have Jacksonville at number one, the Jets at number two. The Jets with Robert Sala, I think Jalen Hurts could fit in that system. Um, but it would be very interesting to see what the Eagles would do should they trade him and who they would get at the draft because. Um, Aside from Jalen Hurts, they only have Nate Sudfeld, so they probably would have to draft a quarterback. But still, the Eagles need some offensive line help. They need a running game. And I think that they, they're going to need some more defense. So mm-hmm. that was our first point. So that was one of the big news articles that happened in the NFL. But let's spin this forward to hockey, and let's start with one of the hotter teams in the NHL, and that would be the Los Angeles Kings. Um the Kings are on a five-game tear right now. They've won five in a row. An impressive shutout win against St. Louis last night. Should we take the Kings seriously in the West? Because now they're in a three-way tie with uh, Arizona and Colorado for that number three spot in the division. You know, the Kings are playing really well. Um, you know, that Anze Kopitar is 21 points in 17 games. And you're seeing Dustin Brown have a breakout year. He used to be their captain. He has 10 goals. Drew Doughty's been dominant on defense. And they're getting breakout performances from a couple of their forwards, including this guy, I think, Adam Kemp. Um, and they also picked up Andreas Athanasiu from Detroit, who's a pretty solid player. He adds speed to that offense. Um, and then obviously – they have Jonathan Quick in goal, who's phenomenal. So, yeah, they're definitely a team that you got to watch out for. They're playing well right now. Good hockey. They've only lost three games this month, two of them to the Vegas Golden Knights. But that one other lo- – or excuse me. Um, they've only lost three regulation games aside from Vegas. They lost two to Vegas. They lost another one of the Ducks. But since then, they have had – they've gotten at least a point in every game that they've played in. Um, it will be interesting to see how they do down the road. Um, at St. Louis again, you know, the Blues will probably have a better game plan. Um, and then, of course, you have to contend with Vegas and Colorado. Um, so that will be interesting um, to watch for the Kings in this five-game trip. So the Lake Tahoe games happened um, earlier this week. And I, I got to say, and I, I said this on Twitter, it was like watching the hockey version of the Rose Bowl with that background. The one caveat was we had to wait. 10 full hours for one game to be finished. And we had to wait another 10 hours or so for the second game to get started. Is this an experience that the NHL should continue with moving forward? You know, these outdoor games are, I I love them. Um, I think they're fun to watch, but I definitely think they have to adjust the timing of them, especially in some of these locations, because you just, you don't know when you schedule them what the weather's going to be six months in advance. So it's like they have, they probably have to make sure that they have those games played at night or figure out ways to keep the ice cool enough so you can avoid these delays. Cause obviously that was very frustrating in that Vegas Colorado game, which was, that was a great game, by the way. I didn't stay up till midnight. Like <clears throat> a lot of other people did to watch it, but I thought it was exciting for that, that, that backdrop like um and the the excuse me um during the day like the scenery was great but the issues on the ice are what's important like you could you could talk all you want about the scenery but the game is what matters 
boundaries. And if you want to play the game outside, you have to take care of the ice and you have to take care of the conditioning of the ice. And while as great as the scene it was, we now see the caveat to what will happen if we play an outdoor game um, in in the sun. And and we've seen outdoor games happen in the sun. I, I, I think there was a game, I think, uh, in New York, then the, the Sabres and the, the Rangers game at City Field. Yeah, the sun was out. Rangers played the Devils at Yankee Stadium too a couple yep. of years ago. Yep, we've seen the snow take effect on um, on the on the ice before, and that's obviously a big concern. Um, the sun's a different factor, and I think playing in that outdoor experience at Lake Tahoe, and again, as great as it was, there has to be um, NHL recognition for what goes on the ice and what happens to the ice during the game because it's because during that first period. You could see it, the, the players having a little issue, the refs with a lot of trouble on that ice, um, goaltenders struggling. Um, I thought the Bruins game against Philadelphia was a lot better. And speaking of the Bruins, they decimated the Philadelphia Flyers. Seven and three, Pasta came out saying to the reporters that he missed the, the, the Barbie song in the locker room after the game, which I thought was hysterical because Pasta's had his sunglasses on wearing that reverse retro, which is awesome. And that comment, I couldn't stop laughing. And that was, I think that's a game I thought I felt the Bruins needed with after losing two in a row, getting their butts kicked by the devils. Um, and now two against the Rangers. So let's, or excuse me, two against the Islanders. So um, do we, do we see what the Bruins are capable of in this division when they fire on all cylinders? Yeah, they're, they're electric, especially offensively that, that line of Bergeron, Pasternak, and Marchand is disgusting. But they're they're hot, and you're getting good play out of the defense, too. You know, Charlie McAvoy had a goal the other day. Um, and Tuka Rask is having a great year, too. And Yaro Hawks holding his own as the backup. You know, I'm, I'm impressed by the Bruins, and they might just be the best – they might just be the best team in that Eastern division, I think. You know, looking at, I mean, obviously the Capitals, they've been a little inconsistent recently. They dropped a pretty rough one against the Rangers over the weekend. The Flyers have kind of been a little inconsistent. They also had that, those COVID issues though. Um, and then the Islanders, I would say they've played, they've probably played the next most consistent hockey after the Bruins in that division, but I'm really impressed with, with what the Bruins are doing right now. They're on, on fire. Yeah, I was a little disappointed in Philadelphia. I I thought that Carter Hart would have a great season the way that he played in the postseason. He gave up seven goals last night, and a lot of those goals were makeable saves. So now I'm a, I'm a little concerned about Philadelphia because um, they put up seven goals against Washington, and then, yeah, the COVID outbreak happened, but then they get enough manageable guys and they lay a goose egg against the Rangers at home um, in a shootout. And then, they, and then they go to Lake Tahoe, and I thought, all right, they got more guys back they're going to be fine they gave up seven goals and again makeable saves and it's a little disappointing and I, I'm a little nervous about Philadelphia if they beat the Rangers I could see it maybe they got off the schneid and maybe they're okay and they're going to move forward but if they lose to the Rangers then there's going to be something really seriously wrong with the Philadelphia Flyers and that's a concern for me um so but the central division is now it, it's kind of all over the place the last week and we've seen um We've got a couple of games last night, kind of turned it. 
Uh, Tampa beat Carolina four to two. And then the Panthers a little rusty, but they threw up 30 shots, 30 shots in the second period against Dallas and only won the game three to one. Now credit Anton Vodobin. And I said this a couple of times last night, he was outstanding. I, I will not discredit his performance. He played lights out with a very poor offense. Who is the team to beat in the central division? You know, obviously a lot of people would just assume Tampa Bay, but right now the Florida Panthers are playing some pretty good damn hockey. Um, you know, they've, they've had a lot of guys start, they're breaking out. You know, you're seeing guys, um, obviously that line of Barkov and Huberdo are phenomenal, but you're seeing Verhage, um, Keith Yandel had a big goal last night. Aaron Ekblad's picking it up. Um, Anthony Duclairs, I think he's starting he's starting to find the back of the net. He's got two goals um, over the last week, I think. Wenberg's been a great pickup for them. And their defense is very deep. You know, you got Strauman back there, too. Um, Wegar's played well. And then, obviously, picking up Patrick Hornquist has been huge for them. You know, they're just, they're just so deep. And you're getting great goaltending from – both Drieger and Bobrovsky, you know, Bobrovsky starting to pick it up a little bit. I remember we talked about him a couple of weeks ago, but he's played, he's played better. I thought, but Drieger's really, he's looked good. I really like right now, this Florida Panthers team looks really good. And I think right now they're the team to beat. I wouldn't, I, I agree with that, that they're deep and I was impressed. They threw up 50 shots total again, 30 in the second period won the game three to one against a, a stars team that is really struggling offensively. And again, not going to discredit you won the game, but Anton Hudobin, he was again, outstanding. Like he made almost, he made 50 saves on that game against the Panthers last night. And he just could not get any help from his offense. And that has me worried about Dallas. I know that they've played 13 games. It's tied for the least in the NHL but they have zero offense going on. And the, the one goal that they scored was really a, a bad mismanagement of the puck by Chris Trieger, or he would have stopped the puck and the Panthers would have won the game three to nothing. Dallas's offense is a concern. And, and I'm not going <clears> to, <throat> but I would say this, I would keep a watch out on Chicago. The, the way that they, and then we talked about this a few weeks ago, they lost four in a row to Tampa and Florida. I'm like, all right, it's another year rebuild. It's fine. And they've competed in every game. And, and the way that they've won these games I'll beat that they I'll bite that they lost to Carolina a couple of nights ago. But should we look out for the Blackhawks as being a, a dark horse in this division? You know, they're definitely I think they're right now they're definitely the front runner for that four spot. Um you know, I'm really impressed with you know, Patrick Kane's having an incredible season. I think I saw a highlight he had a, an insane backhand shot the other night. Um the Bryn Cats looked good, and this kid Kuba Leak. I watched him last year. He had, I think, he had like thirty goals. I was like, this kid's going to be a good player. He's off to a pretty good start too. Um, then they got young guys playing well, like Dylan Strome, and they've had they've picked up some solid defensemen. They picked up Colin Murphy. Duncan Keith's having a good year. Now I'm impressed with the Blackhawks, and you know they've got this kid in that. Lankin and he's seven and three he's doing he's holding his own you know I'm, they're impressive definitely watch out for them certainly and I and I think the Blackhawks if they against Columbus it's a big series for them um 
after losing to Carolina, which I thought was a gut-wrenching loss because it looked like they had the game won. And then Carolina puts together a, a big third period, puts up three goals, and, and ends up running away with it. <clears throat> but if the, if the Blackhawks can sweep Columbus, and Columbus is still a dangerous team with what they have offensively, I think that they they're they're right in the thick of things in the central. So um, let's spin it over to our north our northern border, and let's go to Edmonton. The Edmonton Oilers, a little up and down, but they've won six of their last seven games, and well, I would say eight of their last ten. They've been dominant, and I've been impressed with Connor McDavid and um, Ryan Nugent Hopkins has played well. Um, and their goaltending has been, been pretty solid. Koskinen had a 43 saves against Calgary um, in that game against Calgary a few weeks, a couple of days ago. Should the Edmonton Oilers be considered a, a, a favorite to win the, the North Division at this point? I think they should be considered a favorite to be a playoff team. I don't know if they're better than the Maple Leafs, but they're dangerous, and they're definitely a team that I would <laughs> want to avoid in the playoffs. Um you know, Connor McDavid and Dreisaitl are two superstars. You know, they might be two of the top five players in the game right now. You know, you got 37 points in 20 games for McDavid, which is just absurd. You got 30 points in 20 games from Dreisaitl, who I believe led the led hockey in points last year. Um, and you're starting to see a resurgence. Ryan Nugent Hopkins, you know, he was the number one pick a while back. He's having a great year. He has 18 points in 20 games. They picked up Tyson Berry on defense. He has 16 points. He's been great. Young defenseman Darnell Nurse has stepped up. You know, you're getting young guys like Kyler Yamamoto, Jesse Pogliarvi. You know, you're getting a lot of guys stepping up on that team. And, you know, it's, it's impressive. I definitely think you don't want to play them in the playoffs. They're one of those teams that just has an electric offense. And Edmonton will host Toronto uh, next or yeah, this weekend um, at the Rogers center um, in Edmonton. So that would be a big series, but I, I, again, I've been impressed. I'm their goaltending has come forward and come into its own. Koskinen's played well. McDavid obviously is the big cornerstone of that offense, but their defense, they've been holding down teams and I I've been impressed. They're um, they're tied for second in goal in the league so they're scoring a lot of goals defensively they are I, I still think they're a defensively sound team and the question is can they contend with Toronto who's running away with this division at this point it would be interesting to see that those two games in Edmonton because they've split the first four both teams have picked up at uh, two points in the last four meetings um, two I'm sorry four points in the last four meetings um, two wins apiece so I think that um if the, if the Oilers can beat Toronto twice at, at home, I think that they're in, in a good spot. So let, let's go qu uh, quick questions here. Um, the Montreal Canadiens have lost uh, five of their last six games. Should we be concerned about the Canadiens right now? Um, yeah, obviously it's very concerning. Um, you know, their most recent loss, they lost to, the, to Ottawa, who's the worst team in hockey. So they've, they've got to figure it out. Um, they also had a – they had a rough loss. They gave five goals to Toronto. Um, you know, it's it's a little it's a little worry, a little worrying to see the way they've been playing recently. But 
I still think that they have a good shot of getting one of those back-end seeds to get in if, if they could just figure it out. You know, hopefully it's just a blip. They're, they're not putting up a lot of goals. That's the concerning thing to me, that they've won a lot of two ones, a lot of four to threes. You know, they, the last couple of games, they have not been able to put pucks in the net. So they've got to be able to get their goal scoring because they can't keep leaving out, uh, keep leaving their goaltender out to dry in uh, Montreal. Um, let's talk about the New York Rangers real quick. Um, the Rangers will not be having Artemi Panarin, at least for a while. Um, what's that going to do to the New York Rangers as a team? You know, I tweeted it out, or I think I tweeted it out, but I think the Rangers offense relies heavily on Artemi Panarin. You know, I watched them, the two games that he missed against Boston, I think they put up two goals and they lost that game three to two. Then against the Devils, they put up two goals. You know, their offense runs through Panarin, especially their power play. You know, they were really struggling on the power play while he was down. Then he came back and they've scored power play goals in each of their last two games in which they beat the Philadelphia Flyers in a shootout where Panarin actually iced the game in the shootout. He went five hole on Carter Hart. And then against they had, they had a big win against the Capitals on the road as well. And I think Panarin had two or three assists that game. So it's really going to be detrimental to the Rangers. If he misses a significant period of time, just, it's going to be interesting to see what comes out of this story, you know? I don't know yet. There's still a lot of unknowns, but the Rangers will miss him a lot. It's going to – their defense is really going to have to step up. And Mika Zibanejad finally scored a goal against Washington. Hopefully he can get going and fill in for a little bit as that superstar. Yeah, it's going to be devastating for the Rangers because they rely, as you mentioned, so heavily on Artemi Panarin on offense – I would really like to see some of the younger guys come in and, and play well, like Lafreniere. He Taco. had a goal the other day. Yeah. Uh, oh, he did? Yeah, Lafreniere had a filthy goal, but it was set up by Panarin. <laughs> so <laughs> he, if he steps up and, and Kako and some of those other young guys step up, I think that they're going to be in good shape. A big game Wednesday night when they play against Philadelphia at Philly and, and the Flyers needing to get off this, this COVID schneid that they've been on after getting absolutely destroyed by the Bruins and Lake Tahoe. That's a game that they would like to win and get a little redemption after that 3-2 heartbreaker uh, last week. What's the best word to describe the Carolina Hurricanes? Because they've been playing so many of these offensive shootouts with other teams, and they, they've won some, they lost some, but what's the best word to describe them at this point? The best word to describe them is offense. Um, you know, they've got – Let's see. They've got five guys on six guys on that team who have six or more goals. Sebastian Ajo, obviously. Sevechnikov's having a breakout year. Trocek has nine goals, former Panther. Jordan Stahl's having a great bounce back year. He's got seven goals. They picked up Nino Niederreiter, who's got nine goals. And then McGinn has seven. You know, I'm really impressed with the way they've been playing. Um, they've been just incredible offensively. Um, you know, I'm, and James Reimer's eight and two in net, and they've also got two other solid backups. One of those being Peter Morazic. Um, 
And they've also – Dougie Hamilton's had a good year on defense too, and I expect Toybo Teravainen's going to pick it up offensively. You know, I'm, this team's just very deep offensively, and they're a team to watch out for in the future. I'm going to say defensively challenged as a hyphen word, and I'm going to – because they've been playing so many of these barn burner games. Um, and sometimes it works. Sometimes you do outscore the other team, but other times you, you, you lose in overtime like we saw against Florida. Like they race out to a 2 nothing lead, and then it all falls apart. They give up a couple goals to Chicago, and then they have to come back and, and win the game. They can't outscore everybody, and that's that's a concern. The, the loss to Tampa last night um, – they had a, a, I think they had a one nothing lead, and then it all fell apart after a Stamkos power play goal, and the Lightning kind of picked it up from there and won the game. They have to just be able to play fundamental defense and just be able to rely on their goaltender. Um, you're going to score a lot of goals, but you have to have good defense to go along with it. That game against Tampa proved it uh, a couple of days ago, and then last night was a um, was a little reality check. So, so that's the NHL. So let's move on to the NBA. And I'm getting a lot of negative chatter from Celtics Twitter. I think the season has completely fallen apart. They have really struggled. And the, the biggest cap, the, the one that I'm going to go back to at this point, yeah, they lost to the Wizards. Yeah, they lost to, um, they lost to Atlanta. But they gave up, they had a 24-point lead against the New Orleans Pelicans last night and blew it. I don't even know what to say about the Celtics at this point. They have no closer on this team. And there's so many guys out there on the market in free agency right now that they could scoop up. And Danny Ainge just doesn't want to do it. They're not a playoff team. They are just not, they're not, they're not playing like a playoff team. They're not certainly not playing like the team that was that close to going to the NBA finals last year. They're in trouble. Yeah, no. Um, you know they've they're in a really rough stretch right now. They are not playing deep. They're not playing good defense at all. You know, um, you go back. They had that loss against the Pistons, which was kind of a warning that they could be heading into a little bit of a slide. And then it really hit. They lost to the Wizards in their next game. Then they had a they had a pretty good win over the Nuggets, who are a Mac team. You know they've they've kind of been inconsistent. Then they give up 122 to the Hawks. Then they got the revenge against the Hawks. But then last night, or no, Sunday night, you know, you had that big lead in the game last year. That would have been a shoe-in for a win. And you just completely choke in the end. Game goes to overtime and you lose. You know, it's got to be frustrating that for you as a Celtics fan, um, you know, to just not have – consistency because you're you're probably you know we're, we're used to seeing them being one of the top teams in the east you know especially recently they've got so much talent in jason tatum jalen brown kemba walker you know the problem with them is they don't have a reliable big you know tristan thompson had a good start but he's kind of been meh um you know you got you guys i think the celtics need to figure that out they need to figure out their defense they do have the tools they need to have a good offense. I also I think Peyton Pritchard's pretty solid. Um, it'll be interesting to see if they make a move before the deadline at the end of March to try and fix the situation going on up there. Because at this point, you are at least three teams, three or more teams, are at least two games behind you. And if the Celtics keep losing, they could be falling out of the playoffs. You have to worry about – the Knicks, who are, I, I admit, gaining some ground at this point. 
the Bulls have been playing well. Charlotte's been playing very well. Washington's won five in a row, and we'll get into that in a second. But if they do not win, do they even play tonight? No, they are. Yes, they play tonight at 730 in Dallas. If they don't win tonight, the then there's clearly – I mean, the loss against New Orleans kind of woke everybody up and said there's clearly something wrong. Da- the, this Dallas game might prove it. If, if there is really something wrong and something has to happen or if, you know, it's a wake-up loss and they're fine. But I, I'm, I'm deeply concerned if the Celtics do not win tonight, they are in a lot of trouble. So, But the Washington Wizards have been an interesting story. You know, <clears throat> they were at the bottom half, <clears throat> bottom half of the league um, at the start of the season. And they've won five in a row and against teams that I don't even think they had a chance to beat. They won at home against Denver and they started this road trip by beating Portland and then beating the Lakers in overtime. The, are the wizards a dame? Like I mentioned with um, Chicago, a, a dark horse to get to the playoffs. You know, defensively they're a train wreck, but offensively they've got arguably the best scorer in the league this year in Bradley Beal. He's averaging almost 33 a game. Russell Westbrook's starting to pick it up. Um, Ray Huchamara is starting to figure it out. Davis Bertans has started to heat up. You know, they're a team that you're going to have to make shots against because they're going to put up points. But the problem with them is their defense. And, you know, I look at some of the teams in the East, you know, like the, like the Knicks, for example. You know, they're – they're strong defensively, so the defense might help them get into the playoffs. Go back to the Wizards, maybe their offense could – if they could keep playing like this, maybe that will be enough for them to get one of those back-end spots. Remember, it's the seven through ten seeds make it into a play-in series, I believe, in this year's playoff format. I definitely think that they're a contender to potentially snag one of those spots if they're – if they keep staying hot, because they're on a roll right now. They've won five in a row, and they've beat some pretty good teams. If they can ride out the rest of this road trip, they play the Clippers tonight in L.A., and then they go to, back to Denver to play the Nuggets again. They've got a, some winnable games. They, they play Minnesota, who is really, really bad. They just fired their head coach. The Celtics again. We don't know what Celtics team is going to show up. at uh, Versus Memphis at home. And then they round out the first half of the schedule uh, at home against the Clippers. So there's, there's winnable games on them to at least try to have a chance before the first half of the schedule ends and the second half will begin. Um, I'm not caught up on my NBA schedule trivia, so I'll have to look and see how that works soon. <laughs> um, but I think that they've been, they've been playing very well. I think that Russell Westbrook's finally starting to pick it up. Bradley Beal, all the talk about him potentially being traded, I think has gone out the window with the way he's played. And uh, the Wizards are a high scoring team and they've been impressive. So um the Brooklyn Nets, and I continue to say they played the level of the competition. They're just not that good. They have won six straight, and they have I – I would say that the one team that was – I could see them losing was Indiana, and they won by 10 points. Um, but they've, they, they've played pretty well, and I think that um, if, if they could keep writing this out, I think the Brooklyn Nets could overtake the Philadelphia 76ers for the top spot in the East. You know, like we talked about last week, the Brooklyn Nets, without question, have the most dynamic offense in the league. Um, Obviously, that big three of Kyrie, James Harden, Kevin Durant, you know, all three of them are averaging well over 20 points per game. 
you know, you've got guys like Joe Harris who are playing well. Um, and their depth has actually been solid. You know, obviously, they've still been allowing a lot of points, you know, against the Kings, they allowed 125, the Suns, 124. But they actually held the Lakers in check. They only gave up 98. And then against the Clippers, that that was that really woke me up. You know, they, they went into L.A. They swept L.A. on the road. Um, no, I definitely think the Brooklyn Nets are starting to figure it out a little bit. Um, you know, that big three is working well together. And, you know, I think they, they might be – a threat to the Sixers for that one seed. Yeah, the Sixers have – they just lost to Toronto. They get another crack at them tonight um, in Tampa Bay. But the Sixers um, have really been struggling. They have been getting scored on. They gave up triple digits to Portland, Phoenix, and Utah on the road. I'll beat that Utah is the best team in the league at this point. Um but they've lost four of their last six and Brooklyn's starting to heat up now with the way that you mentioned Kyrie and that big three that he has with Durant and Harden playing much better. Defense has been playing great. The Nets just have to keep winning. And I, I really hope that they don't lose to one of those lower class teams and, you know, continue the conversation of playing to the level of competition, but I just want them to win games that they should just dominate. If, if that happens, then I'll say, all right, they're they're easily an Eastern Conference champion and they could easily overtake Philadelphia. But I, I have to see them beat a team that they should beat by at least 20-plus points. So One um, point I want to make about the Nets real quick. Yeah, go ahead. Is DeMarcus Cousins was just released by the Rockets mm. and the Nets could use a center. And Cousins has showed that he, he wants to go play for a contender. I think he would take less money. I think that might that could be an interesting fit. Yeah, it will depend on who picks him up. But I think that the Nets, if they get to Marcus Cousins, I, I would be pretty worried to, to to play them if I was anybody in the East, especially Philadelphia. So I would not want to play the Nets right now. So, um, but that would be an interesting move. If whoever picks him up is going to have a good chance. The Celtics desperately need someone. So if they could go pick up to Marcus Cousins, if Danny Ainge could just get off his just get off his butt and, and make a move. That would be fantastic and get someone that's decent like DeMarcus Cousins. But so the New York Knicks, and um, I'll let you talk about this. They've won four of the last five. It wasn't a convincing win against Minnesota. The, the Timberwolves hung around, especially with that <clears throat> fourth quarter comeback. Um, what's the state of the Knicks right now? You know, the, the state of the Knicks right now is it's a tale of two – it's a tale of two seasons, but one of them is so overwhelmingly important that it's kept them as a playoff contender, and that's that they have the number one defense in basketball. You know, they're only allowing 103.5 points per game, and they've really limited teams. You know, they're playing great team basketball. I mean, yeah, they're lacking a lot of – Knicks fans want them to go out and trade for a superstar, but I really like the way that these guys are playing as a team. You know, they're not relying on one guy every night. I mean, Julius Randle has been that guy, and he's actually been a big reason for this hot stretch that they're on. He had a 44-point game against the, and a very impressive win over the Hawks last Monday. Um, but the problem with the Knicks is they also have the worst offense in the league. You know, they're – they're scoring 103.5 points per game while they're allowing 103.5. 
Um, they're just not – they're not very deep offensively. You know, you're not getting – R.J. Barrett's been a little inconsistent recently. You know, the only one that's really been consistent is Randall. Um, but I like the way that they're playing team ball. And, I mean, yeah, the win over the Timberwolves wasn't great. But, you know, they actually – they had a big lead going into the fourth quarter, and they went on a – 528 run against the Timberwolves in that quarter and Timberwolves were actually ahead in the last couple minutes but the Knicks picked it up you know part of that is they're missing Mitchell Robinson he fractured his right hand he's going to be out for four to six weeks he's been a big part of that team um but yeah the Knicks are the Knicks are fun to watch though they're heading in the right direction so can I I ask you this if if you were a Knicks fan you saw that DeMarcus uh, cousins, like we talked about him being on the Brooklyn Nets, talked about him being potentially going to the Celtics. As a Knicks fan, would you want to trade or at least acquire um, the Demarcus Cousins for potentially, like you, like you said, you're missing one of your guys due to an injury? As a Knicks fan, would you want to go out and acquire Demarcus Lawrence to or not Demarcus Lawrence, Demarcus Cousins for that um, for a spot on the team? You know, it would definitely be an interesting fit. You know, obviously the Knicks are a contender this year. Um, so you could see maybe DeMarcus Cousins thinks he could go in there and play more of a role as a guy that could score a lot because they don't have a lot of scorers. As a Knicks fan, I'm not really too sure because Robinson's going to be back in a few weeks. Um, they've had interest in him before. I think for the FE, if you could get him for the right price, I think I would do it. Mm. Yeah. Uh, so he, we'll have to monitor that in, in free agency and see where he goes to. Uh, if he goes to the Nets, I think the East is done for because the yeah. Nets will have every piece that they have and they're a super team. Um, if he goes to the Celtics, hey, maybe the Celtics pick it up. If he goes to the Knicks, could definitely boost their offense, but depend on uh, where he goes. So let's spin it over to the West and a team that I, I really think he's beginning to struggle at this point is the LA Lakers. They've lost three in a row. They've lost four of their last five. How concerned should we be about the Lakers after losing to Washington in overtime uh, last night? I think we should be very concerned about the LA Lakers. Um, You know, we, you know, you question how are they going to respond to this huge Anthony Davis injury? And it has not been, very good you know LeBron's still been playing very well but they haven't been playing great defense obviously Davis is critical on that defensive front um and you've seen I talked about the Clippers last week and they've they've actually overtaken them for the two seed um so yeah I would be very concerned right now as a Lakers fan and I don't know how long Anthony Davis is out you know it's an Achilles so it's very you know, he, he, if it's still bad in a few weeks, he could he could be out for the season if it's bad enough. And yeah. Go ahead, finish. If they, if they lose him, I just can't see them getting through teams like Utah and the Clippers. Well, glad you mentioned Utah because that's what I was going to say. They have a really must-win game um, at Salt Lake City tomorrow night on ESPN at 10 against Utah. And that, I believe, is the Lakers' last chance to really salvage the first half of the schedule get off this losing streak. They beat Utah. They've got some manageable games versus Portland. Blazers have been a little inconsistent. Um, Phoenix playing well, Sacramento on the road, 
but they need to win on Wednesday. And and you mentioned that Davis is out. Yeah, you're right. Time-wise, it's going to be a struggle, but they they need to win tomorrow against Utah. Because Utah, six losses to the first uh, half of the schedule so far and a dominant performance against um, Charlotte, nine and one in their last 10. They, they, again, they've been the hottest team. And let's go to the Clippers side. They they did lose to the Nets, but the Nets have been playing better. Um, aside from that, they've been playing very well. They, they beat Utah before that. Um, and they, and uh, before they lost to Utah, the, the two nights before they won four in a row. So um, how dangerous could the Clippers be uh, in the playoffs? Um, if we get to that point. Very dangerous because you have Kawhi Leonard, who's won a couple of rings as their superstar, and he's having a very underrated and underlooked phenomenal year. He's averaging like 27 a game with six rebounds, five assists, almost two steals. You know, he's been a force. Paul George is averaging almost 25. He's really stepped up. Um, I know there were a lot of fans questioning his the way he played last year, you know, he's really picked it up. And then depth-wise, Marcus Morris is averaging 13. Lou Williams might be one of the best six men, sixth men in the league. Serge Ibaka has been a great pickup. He's averaging almost 12. They picked up Nick Batum. He's played well. Beverly, Zubach, Reggie Jackson, even Luke Kennard, all of those guys are averaging eight points or more. You know, they've ju- they're just so deep. And they've got a lot of guys with experience on that roster, and they're going to be very dangerous when it comes playoff time if they can stay healthy. Yeah, and I if they if they if you get them in like a if the Clippers have a clinching scenario at Game Four or Game Six, I w- I would not want to play them because they're eleven and four outside of the Staples Center in LA. They have been playing some really good road games um, over the last few. The, the, um, trying to pull up their win. uh, winning at the Knicks. They won at Sacramento. They won at Golden State. They almost beat Utah on the road. And that that's that's huge. And for, I think that, that if you get them in that, that road challenge and if they're in a clinching scenario, I would not want to play them with that dangerous road record. Um, but their offense has been playing well. And this is a dangerous game for them tonight against Washington. I you know Washington did beat the Lakers so that's got their attention. Um, but it's got it's a fascinating game tonight between the, the Wizards who are red hot and just came off that win against the Lakers going into LA to play the Clippers. Um, the uh, so a team on the bottom four like Phoenix, Portland, San Antonio, Denver, Golden State. You could even mention teams like Dallas and Memphis at the bottom. A team that you would not want to play out of those four at this, aside from the top three in Utah and both LA teams. The Suns. They've won nine of their last 10, and Devin Booker's been outstanding. He's averaging 25. Chris Paul's been a huge pickup for that offense. He's averaging 16 points, almost nine assists. Mikal Bridges has really stepped up his game. He's averaging almost 14. DeAndre Ayton, Dario Saric has played well. Cam Johnson, they picked up. Jay Crowder, who's been a great addition for them. He's also a good defensive player. You know, they're hot right now. And, you know, this Phoenix team, they blew out the trailblazers last night. They put up 132, and the trailblazers aren't, aren't terrible. Um, and they've actually scored, they scored 128 against Memphis, 132 against the Pelicans. They scored 124, but lost to the Nets. They've been, they've been scoring a lot, and they're a team that I would not want to play right now. 
Yeah, the way that they've been scoring, not only the way that they've been scoring, the way that they've been winning these last few games, um, they've won their last three by 20 or more points, um, you know, against Memphis, against Portland, New Orleans. That one loss to Brooklyn, okay, that's fine because Brooklyn's Brooklyn's a good team with a lot of depth um, with the big three that we talked about. Um, the Suns are dangerous, and they – with the way that they score a lot of points, you're going to have to figure out a way to outscore them. And their schedule is really easy. The one game that I, I think was a concern for them is against the Lakers on March 2nd, but that's a game where if the Suns ride this out and the Lakers are start falling apart, that game could be for potentially the number two spot in the, in the conference. And that's a game that the Suns are, are going to need. They're only sitting a game back of second place behind the Clippers and the Lakers. So they, they would love for one of those two teams to fall out and get one of those uh, top three spots. Um, but I would, I would also watch out for Denver. They've been playing well. Yeah. They suffered a loss to the Hawks and they've been a little inconsistent, but if you get them in the playoffs, I would, I would not want to play them um, at this point. So let's, let's wrap up here. Um, the Utah jazz. We've, we've said that they're the best team. Um, who has been their best player of the season at, uh, so far? Um, you know, I don't want to be the guy that just says Donovan Mitchell. Go ahead. So I'm, I'm going to go outside of Donovan Mitchell for this one. Obviously, he's been he's their superstar, but I'm going to go with Jordan Clarkson as the guy who's really stepped up on that team. You know, he was a great pickup. He's averaging over 18 points a game, and I he he put up 40 points in a very impressive win over the Sixers last week I think it was last Monday and he's been averaging he's averaging over 18 a game you know he's really impressed me he's been a great pickup for them off the bench he's a pesky defensive player and he's just been huge for the chemistry of that team as a facilitator off the bench I was gonna say uh Bojan Bogdanovich if we're gonna stay away from Donovan Mitchell I would say Bogdanovich the way that he's played um over the last few games, he's been playing well. Um, he goes to the goes to the paint, makes plays. Um, he put up 23 points in that loss against the Clippers, which I thought was a little bit um, insane. And he he's been playing well. He's been a good offseason. Um, he's been a good addition to this team. Um, and the the Jazz are rolling, and they have a big game uh, tomorrow night against the the Lakers. And uh, uh, so, yeah, the Jazz they're rolling. I, I would not want to play them. They've been playing about as good as basketball as I've seen. They only have one loss this month, and that was a few days ago at at the at the Clippers. So they're a they're they're a fun team to watch. So with that, that will conclude episode 16 of the podcast. Be sure to check out my interview with Randy Muller. Uh, that was last week. If you guys missed it, had a great time sitting down with him, be able to talk some Florida Panthers hockey and the way the team has started so far. Um, a personal friend of mine it was great to sit down and talk with him. Um, over the last uh, couple months, weeks of Panthers hockey uh, to talk with him. So, um, But for Andrew, I'm David. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week.